0: Coming to you from Beaumont, this is your house call.
1: The sound of sniffling and coughing is usually a good indicator that the flu season is upon us. And as constant as the leaves changing colors or the lions losing another heartbreaking game come questions about the flu. Will it be an early start this year? Will it be a rougher than average year or a milder one? Should you get a flu shot this year or should you roll the dice? Grab your tissues and stock up on vitamin C and zinc, the House Call Podcast has the answers to your burning influenza questions. Hello and welcome to the Beaumont House Call Podcast. I'm Dr. Nick Gilpin and my goal is to help you and your family live a smarter, healthier life. Today's podcast is all about influenza and modern medicine's favorite cannon fodder, the influenza vaccine. We've got answers to all your flu shot questions, but before we get to our guest, I want to take a minute to talk about influenza and give you a little bit of historical context. Scientists believe the influenza virus has thrived in the last few centuries due to increasing travel. The easier it is for us to get around the globe, the easier it is for the flu to do the same thing. It's also a tricky virus, always mutating and changing from season to season. When the virus undergoes a major genetic reassortment called antigenic shift, The human immune system can be blindsided by these novel viruses, and boom, you have a major epidemic or a pandemic on your hands, like the one that killed a staggering 50 to 100 million people back in 1918, the Spanish flu. By comparison, the last pandemic in 2009, the H1N1 swine flu, which was a disaster of a flu season by all metrics, claimed a mere quarter million lives. Part of the reason we don't see the kind of eye-popping death tolls like we experienced in the Spanish flu Has to do with improvements in modern medicine and, of course, the advent of the flu vaccine. The flu vaccine was developed in the 1940s and improved over the next several decades. Today's vaccine contains three or four different strains of the virus, and the strains are updated and changed every few years to reflect the mutations happening to the virus in other parts of the globe. The CDC recommends everyone over six months of age should receive the flu vaccine every year And this is particularly important for persons who are at higher risk of complications, such as those with compromised immune systems or predisposing chronic respiratory conditions. Okay, and now let's bring out our guest, Dr. Richard Gruz. Dr. Gruz is a family medicine physician with Beaumont. He graduated from Wayne State University Medical School, and he's been a part of a busy family practice caring for children, adolescents, and adults for over 10 years. And Rich is our guest today because this time of year, there's almost no one better to talk to about flu shots than a primary care physician. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Gruz. Thank you for having me. Appreciate having you in the studio, Rich. Lots to talk about, lots to unpack, so let's go ahead and dive in. First question So, clinically speaking, can you tell our listeners the difference between the flu
0: and the common cold? The common colds can be more of a gradual progression through your symptoms of runny nose, stuffy head. Uh, very rarely will you get the fever and the body aches and chills that the flu will present with. The flu comes on like a Mack truck. It hits you hard. It's sudden. You usually have very high fevers right away. Uh, chills, just bone-crushing body aches often. Um, headache, where the runny nose, the sore throat, the stuffiness, That's it happens, but it's rare. mm mm-hmm. Understanding
1: that, you know, this year uh, may be different than subsequent years um, and and also understanding that you don't necessarily have a crystal ball, um, do you have any predictions about what the upcoming flu season might be like for us right now?
0: This is always really difficult to do, and I know um, the CDC and other institutions monitor the globe in uh, especially other countries that go through their flu season just prior to ours. Uh, recent articles coming out from Australia sh- uh, showed that Australia had one of its most devastating flu seasons in a long time. Mm. The good news that came out of it is uh, the flu strain seems to match the vaccine very well. The bad news is that also means that there's been nine months of mutating that allows that flu strain to try to change before it makes its way to our shores.
1: Yeah, it, it's it's always a always a tough call, and of course, we don't always know what we're dealing with until we're completely knee deep in the thing, right? So, thinking about years in the past, a few years ago, we had a pretty good match. We had a pretty mild season, whereas I think it was when that novel H1N1 came out in 2009, totally blindsided.
0: The vaccine had no coverage at all, and it was a terrible year. And that happens from time to time where the vaccine, the mute, the virus either mutates Mm -hmm. or the vaccine just doesn't match. Um, I think, uh, not last year, but the year before we had one of our worst flu seasons. And if you look at the number of deaths just in the United States, it went from on average of a 30 to 40,000 jumped to almost 80,000. And in my career, it was the busiest year I've ever had in the flu.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Likewise. So we know everyone should get the flu shot. um, But who is more susceptible or vulnerable to influenza? First point, you're exactly right. Everyone should get the flu shot. (laughs) But if I had to say who needs it, the most vulnerable people are going to be those under the age of five, over the age of 65. Mm -hmm. And then pretty much if you can think of anyone with a chronic disease that could decrease their immune system or have uh, weakened lung function. So think of your asthma, your COPD, your heart disease patients. And I don't mean heart disease like high blood pressure, high cholesterol, but cardiomyopathies, congestive heart failures, coronary artery disease. Sure. Uh, anyone who's being treated for cancer, chemotherapy. Um, compromised immune systems. And compromised and immune systems.
1: Pregnant women. Pregnant women for sure. I've also read that obese people are at more risk for influenza, which I found a little bit surprising, but I think that there's pretty good data to, to support that as well. When in doubt get a shot. Why why does the flu shot get so much grief? Why why is it so scorned? Why is why are there so many flu shot haters
0: out there? Well, I think in the uh modern times <laughs> when <laughs> Everyone wants to be an expert, and especially with Facebook and a lot of misinformation out there about vaccines, there's a lot of vaccine just fear out there in general. And then when you have um, a shot that you have to get every single year, people have a really hard time wrapping their head around that. And what I always try to explain to patients is if I give you an MMR shot, that measles vaccine, that measles... That's in there. That's the same measles that's been around since Christ walked the planet. I mean, Mm -hmm. it does not change. The Mm -hmm. flu, we're not talking one virus. We're talking thousands of strains that are constantly mutating. And we're in an arms race as a species against this virus that is out to kill you every time you get sick. Sure. When I think about the other reasons why people have a hard time with it is everyone has a story of someone getting sick around the time they got a flu shot. And they always think, oh, the flu shot got me sick. Well, remember, you're getting the shot during cold and flu season. Exactly. I tell every patient, I have 10 to 12 patients that came in just before you who are sick, who had not even gotten the shot yet. The shot doesn't cause the illness. The illnesses are all around you. Great point. I think many people will mistakenly
1: claim that the flu shot causes the flu or causes flu-like symptoms. It's To me, that's like blaming umbrellas for rain. That's a good analogy. And, and I think that I often coach people that, um, that yeah, when you are getting a flu vaccine in flu season or in cold season, it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you might come down with something in the weeks after you get the shot. And it's purely a coincidence. The other thing that I often point out to folks is that the, the vaccine itself may trigger a mild immune response, right? Your body's immune system is responding to the vaccine. So you may feel a little achy or a little rundown the day or two after you get the shot. That's
0: not the same as the flu. Correct. And think of every mom or dad who's listening. Every time you went in for your pediatrician or your family doc to get that immunization when they were newborns or six-month-old or a year, you're always warned you may have a slight fever after these immunizations. And it's not that you're getting sick. Bingo. Just like you said, it's your immune system revving up to start a fight and building those antibodies so that you are now immune. Yeah. The other one I hear quite a bit is that a lot of folks think that the flu shot is dangerous. I think that
1: you know there was a time not too long ago, 1976, when we had a particularly um, nefarious uh, flu shot that had a very high association with complications, Guillain-Barre in particular. And I think a lot of our patients were alive at that time and remember themselves or someone close to them who may
0: have had some of those complications. And events like that tend to stick out in people's minds as well. They do. And as we've advanced in our production of vaccines and treatments and medicine, you know, we don't accept certain things that we would have in the past. You know, think of the first polio vaccines that came out. They had a, they were a live virus uh, vaccine and there was many people were going to have devastating life-changing side effects from that virus. We at the time though we accepted it because there were so many more people dying of polio Absolutely. than that virus was going to protect. So when you look at modern times, we don't have that same problem because we've advanced on our polio vaccine. We've advanced in these vaccines to make them much more safe and just tested much more thoroughly. What are some of your favorite flu shot myths or or conspiracy theories? Well, the obvious one like we just said I number one myth, I get the flu from the flu shot. Mm -hmm. Impossible, does not happen. You're either getting a dead virus that's been destroyed or you're getting bits and pieces of virus Mm -hmm. or you're getting proteins of a virus that have never been part of a virus in the first place. So impossible for you to get the flu Mm. uh, from the flu shot. Uh, The other one, uh, healthy people don't need flu shots. Couldn't be further from the truth. Um, You and I, we all are part of a population that's well basically in it to win it against the flu virus and we all have to have our own immunities against to protect those amongst us who can't either receive the flu shot in time um choose not to get the flu shot or just the flu shot isn't effective in their own body mm-hmm. one of my favorites is that it's a
1: it's a vast conspiracy that the the government has created that we have to get a flu shot every year and it's a, it's essentially a, a money-making strategy for the for the CDC or for the government or whatever. I, I don't know. Actually, you know, counter to that, um, the, uh, the the Trump administration, I, I don't think it's controversial to say this, is not the most pro-science administration that we've ever had, um, actually just had a, an executive order passed in September where they funded uh, the development of a universal flu vaccine. So even the Trump administration, even the government, you might say, is really pushing hard for people to get the flu vaccine. I think that's important to point out. Suppose I ignore the advice of this podcast and decide to skip my flu shot, and then I get sick. What are my treatment options?
0: For most healthy people, uh, it's rest, lots of rest, (laughs) fluids, some Motrin or Tylenol for those body aches, um, and you're going to have to wait it out. It's going to take about a week. It's a it's a severe illness. It is rough to go through. For those who have a higher risk of having side effects or having basically a more severe case, so think of any of the people that we just named, those with diabetes or cancer treatments or the very young or old, you probably should seek out medical care. You're someone who may benefit from going on some of the antiviral medicines that we have. Correct. Uh, and And I think
1: you know we could talk about what those antiviral medications are. The one that seems to be the most popular is Ocell Tamivir, or Tamiflu. Mm-hmm. And this time of year and and into uh, you know, throughout flu season, people are running to the pharmacy to get their hands on Tamiflu. I think it's important to point out that Tamiflu is really not the end all be- all cure for influenza, right?
0: No, I, I think people look at Tamiflu uh, like they do um, amoxicillin for mm. a, a sore throat. Like when you treat an antibiotic, a, a bacterial infection with an antibiotic, very often you see symptom improvement within 24 to 48 hours if it's very effective. You're not going to see the same thing with antivirals. You're basically going to suffer through the same course, but maybe it doesn't last a week maybe it lasts five or six days maybe it doesn't make it as severe but it's still going to be rough
1: and that's you know and sometimes that's a tough conversation to have with a patient right because they're standing there in front of you they're sick and you just have to commiserate with them and say "Ah, i know it sucks and it's going to suck for another two or three days but you know what you're going to get better from this you know just rest fluids etc you'll get through it home remedies you recommend for anybody
0: you know, you always hear the chicken soup. Yeah. Uh, sure. I don't know how much Can't great hurt. dad, yeah. I don't know how much great dad is behind that, but really you're just looking for good fluids, hydration, an energy source. You know, when you're sick like this, many times your, your appetite is down. Um, and then you'll hear common myths like, you know, uh, starve a fever, feed, a, you know, a cold. I, I, I don't even remember yeah, all, all these grandma's oh. stories, <laughs> but. But uh, you, you definitely want to have some type of energy source. So Agreed. chicken soup is great, just because of the the electrolytes you'll get, the salts, the sugars. Um, but it's it's just plenty of rest. I have a colleague who um, is a big fan of vitamin C and zinc, which which
1: actually does has been shown in in some fairly small, not very robust studies to to shorten the duration of colds. Maybe not as good for flus. Um, I read just before uh, we, we got in the studio, I was reading that um, elderberry supplement, which is something I'm not familiar with, has actually been shown to shorten duration of flu symptoms. So if you're absolutely averse to any type of modern medical care, you might want to consider stocking up on elderberry this year. Just a thought. One important demographic that obviously gets a lot of attention this year um, uh, in, in the vaccine discussion is, is kids and kids and adolescents. And that's really in your wheelhouse, Rich. So
0: tell us what parents need to know about the uh, the flu and the vaccine. Your kids are probably the highest risk for catching something like this simply because they don't have the hygiene that some of the adults will have. Yeah. You know, they put everything in their mouth or in school in enclosed spaces with other kids that have been sent to school with what parents thought at the time were just a cold and no, it's the flu. And they're all going to the pencil sharpener or going to the water fountain. Um, so they're just high risk. And I even tell, you know, my patients and colleagues, I don't get sick from my, my patients. I get sick from my kids. Yeah. <laughs> they get that at school and they bring that home and they are all over my house touching everything. And so you just wears down your ability to fight these things. Um, for the parents that are afraid of getting their kid the flu, what I always try to explain to them when they, when I'm counseling them is one, I'm a physician. I've dedicated my entire life to having knowledge and knowing the best treatments for my patients to care for them. I've de- again, like you, we dedicate our whole lives to this. The other thing is I'm a parent and I always tell my patients, I never ask you to do anything to yourself or your children. I don't do to myself, my wife, or my children. And we get the flu shots every year, even when my wife was listening to Facebook and terrified and asking me every five seconds, why are we giving our kids flu shots? (laughs) So it it is very important. And if you've ever had to take a week off work for being sick, well, try doing that after you just cared for your kid for a whole week of being sick. And now they've got you sick. So you can see see how the flu can take weeks to out of your career and out of your child's schooling simply because they got sick. Absolutely.
1: I think aside from the vaccine, which I think we, We've stressed pretty well today that it's important to get the vaccine. What are some other preventative strategies for keeping yourself
0: healthy during flu season? Well, you always want to have your immune system strong. So you want to have proper sleep, proper, um, um, diet, exercise. The stronger the body is, the better protection you're going to have. The other thing is really most people who don't get sick, they always say like, oh, I must have a great immune system. It's usually not your immune system. It's just that you have really good hygiene practices, meaning sure. you're not putting things in your mouth, whether it's a pen, a pencil, your hands, you wash your hands. You, you know, you go to a public restroom, you wash your hands going in, you wash your hands coming out. Yeah. Um, if you think mindfully like that, uh, as, you know, Proper ways to teach your kids how to sneeze, how to cough into their elbow as opposed to coughing into their hands and then touching things. And if everyone does this together, all of a sudden you can stop the spread of these. Yeah, you said it. I mean, that's what we do at, at all of our hospital campuses, right? We have
1: these stations set up mm-hmm. at every doorway. You've got your hand sanitizer, your tissues. We've got these signs that show you, you know, how to properly cough and sneeze into your sleeve. I mean, that's those are
0: tried and true ways to, to prevent spreading the germs. Um. The one other thing I would say, yeah. too, is if your child is sick, keep them out of school. I know as parents, we just want to get our kids back in school as soon as possible. When you have the flu, you are sick for a solid week, and you should not return to school until tw- at least 24 hours after that last fever good has point. broke. Yeah, good point. Because you are still, even after the fever breaks, uh, there's still
1: a chance that you could be contagious and spreading germs around. Good point. Glad you brought that up. Um as far as particular flu shots go, is there a specific um, preparation
0: of the vaccine that we should be steering towards this year? The ACIP, which is the kind of a governing body of like what they recommend in terms of how and what vaccines to use, and they'll change the recommendations from time to time. But the current recommendation this year is that any of the commercially available vaccines that you are approved for by your age, any of them are all, or I should say they're all equal. Mm-hmm. Any one of them you can take and your best bet is just to get one that you can take. Sure. Let's talk just a second
1: about a couple of the different preparations. So we've got the, um, the inactivated, um, vaccine, which is the one I think we more commonly refer to as the flu shot. There are a few different preparations of that. I don't think that needs a whole lot of explanation. Um, we also this year have a, uh, a live, a, a preparation of the virus, an inhaled uh, uh, or a nasal preparation of the
0: virus. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, it's a pretty novel way of of uh, creating a, a vaccine. So they use a live attenuated uh, flu virus. So think of uh, a, a attenuated viruses like we we beat it up pretty good. We we take its teeth away. And the other thing that they did to this virus is they made it cold attenuated, which means that when I spray it into my nose, the cooler temperatures in my nose, the virus can live. But as soon as it starts to make its way deeper inside the body, like the lungs where it really wants to go, the heat actually kills it. So that's why the main side effect of that is sometimes you get a sni- like the sniffles. You act like you got a little cold, but it doesn't give you the flu because as it goes, progresses deeper inside the body, it actually dies. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a very novel way of creating this live virus for those who don't want to do yeah. the injections. And, and again, I, yeah, and I think you just keyed in on it. I think that
1: that, that might have a niche for certain folks or uh, populations that are genuinely petrified by needles. But I think beyond that, it doesn't
0: really have a tremendous amount of benefit. No. in There was uh, last year, it wasn't even recommended. Right. Uh, this year, it's back on the recommended list. The vaccine is not meant for everyone. If you're a pregnant woman, you're not able to take it. Or if you are being treated for cancer, or if anyone in your family has a um, diminished immune system, uh, you're not allowed to take it. Sure. Yeah. Sidebar
1: editorial comment. Not a huge fan of the live uh, virus vaccine. I've never prescribed it to anyone. I know it exists. I know it's an option, but I'm, I'm typically giving flu shots in my practice. And same with me. Yeah. Yeah, I figured talk a little bit about egg allergies. I think that that's something that gets a little bit of attention now, right? Because the the virus is cultivated in in a in a egg uh and and so people with egg allergies have historically
0: been told, maybe wrongfully told, that they can't get the vaccine. What's the word on that? So there are multiple ways that the uh, vaccine's made. So the standard flu shot that most people uh think of is actually created within an egg media. Now, if you have an egg allergy, you are still able to get the shot, the standard shot, but we just keep you in the office a little bit longer to monitor for any severe reactions. Having said that, because there's different ways to create the vaccine now, if you have a severe egg allergy and you don't want to get something that has been made in eggs and want to avoid the situation altogether, there's the recombinant uh, vaccine and also the nasal spray.
1: A little trick that someone told me once upon a time was ask the patients if they can eat um, food cooked with eggs like cake or cupcakes. If you can eat cake or cupcakes that are prepared with eggs, then you can get a flu shot. Yeah. That's about all the information we have time for today. I want to thank our stellar guest, Dr. Rich Gruz, for joining me on the podcast. Thank Thanks you Rich. for having me. Yeah, I also want to remind you to send along any questions or suggestions to podcast at beaumont.org. Dr. Shah Jahan and I are always scouting out the best questions for a future mailbag episode. We leave you today with this short and sweet healthy thought. Want to beat the flu this year? Get your flu shot. No, seriously, if you're over six months old, you should get a flu shot every single year, preferably in October, before flu season gets into full swing. And you should tell your family and your friends to get their flu shots too, because the flu shot not only keeps you from getting the flu, it also keeps you from having to go to the doctor, get hospitalized, miss work, or get someone else sick around you. So one last time, get your flu shot. For more information about the flu, go to beaumont.org slash flu. Thank you.
0: Continue your journey to living a smarter, healthier life. Visit beaumont.org slash podcast to access information and resources related to today's podcast.